0: Personal Disciple Making. Outstanding book. And, and what was done is this. Uh, Christopher Adset surveyed, uh, I think it's 161 uh, disciple makers, those who were involved and committed to disciple making, and asked them, what would you recommend to other people? What tips, what recommendations, what would you suggest those who want to make disciples uh, consider and make sure they do? And so the top 20 are the precepts that are in the back of your packet. Uh, They're pretty self-explanatory, but if you need more, get one of these books. Fantastic. Personal Disciple Making by Christopher Adsit. Christopher Adsit. I've shared with you that we're going to begin uh, looking at seven characteristics, seven marks of a disciple of Christ. We're going to look at number one tonight. Obviously, we'll need to cover a couple uh, on uh, the nights that follow, but we'll try our best to look at all seven, all seven of them. Here's what the Lord Jesus said to the originals, and he says it to us as well. If you want to come after me, if you want to be worthy of me, if you want to be a disciple of mine, he'll say it that clearly, then this is what I need for you to see. I, I need to see. This is what needs to be evidenced, displayed. This needs to be a characteristic of uh, someone who's a disciple of Christ. Be reminded of this, of this truth. Salvation is always free. Amen? It's always free. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but uh, according to His mercy, He he has saved us. So salvation is always free. We're saved by faith, and that salvation is secured ultimately by and through the finished work of Christ. Discipleship is evidencing that we know Christ and characteristics are are work-related. Not to earn salvation, not to keep salvation, but to evidence that we are a saved person and we want to live like it. Someone has said this once, and you might want to think about it. All disciples of Christ are Christians, but not all Christians are automatically disciples of Christ. My dad, by the way, says hello. Uh, My dad uh, uh, lives with us. And uh, as we were leaving, he said to the kids, uh, uh, and, and us, but specifically the kids, he said, remember your last name. Remember your last name. Remember who you belong to. Remember that, as such, you need to live a particular way. The same is true for discipleship. If we've said yes to the Lord Jesus in his invitation and we received uh, this uh, salvation, uh, we also are saying yes to, after that, becoming disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, a definition of the word disciple is this. A student or learner of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, who not only learns what he thought, but who lives what he taught. And so this is what he taught. And we're going to look at these things, and we'll look at Mark number 1 in just a moment. Uh, but let's pray and ask God to help us as we consider these things. Father, help us, I pray. Help us, I pray, to indeed uh, think very carefully about our two questions for the week together. Are we disciples of Christ and are we committed to making them? Father, we ask tonight that you'd help us to evaluate our, our lives in evidences that that we indeed are purposing to be disciples of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Help us to remember the importance of impartation to be fully trained and imitation to become like or as. May we realize that both these things are needed in order for us to be disciples of Christ, committed disciples of Christ. So help us to think on these things uh, for these next 30 minutes or so. We ask and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, just for a moment, friends. Matthew chapter 10. And so uh, in your packets, you'll notice the, these seven marks, and and what we've tried to do in that packet is the following. Uh, we'll give you a longer definition uh, of the mark, a longer definition, like for tonight, mark number one is this, a, a supreme and incomparable love for Christ. At the end of each of the marks, Uh, I'll give you a three-word summary. So by the end of the week, 21 words will summarize these seven marks or characteristics. Uh, So the first mark is this, this idea of having a supreme and incomparable love for the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Matthew, the Lord Jesus challenges us, the disciples and us as well, uh, to do a little comparison, to do a little comparison. In the book of Luke, we'll see in just a moment, he encourages the original disciples and us to do a little contrast. And in both of these passages, the idea is this, for us to think very carefully about anyone or anything that we love. Anyone or anything that we love. Imagine making a list, writing them down, anything or anyone that we love. The Lord Jesus wants us to think this way. And He wants us to do a little analysis of our love for others and for Him. And He wants our love for Him to be supreme and incomparable. And He says this in in chapter 10 of Matthew, verse 37, He who loves Father... Or mother, more than me, is not worthy of me. There's one of those phrases, is not worthy of me, cannot be my disciple. We'll see those type, uh, types of words and phrases all throughout this study of these seven marks. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Again, in Matthew, the idea here is that the Lord Jesus wants us to do a comparison. And He uses uh, family characters, those uh, that there ought to be, ideally, a lot of love for. We understand this isn't always the case. We know stories upon stories, and more often than not, this is the reality these days where there's broken homes and there's uh, single parents and there's all kinds of dysfunction and heartache. But that's not the design. That's not how God wants things to be. And so when these terms are used, father or mother, son or daughter, the idea is that there is an appropriate love being displayed there. That's a relationship where there is all kinds of love. I noticed, I love watching people. Bruce mentioned that he loves to watch folks. I do too. I love watching folks and how they interact. And I love seeing the, the love for family uh, that is displayed here at camp. Your, your immediate family or your extended family and or the family uh, of God. The display that is there indeed for family. And and the Lord Jesus wants us to look at these things and and says, Listen, I want you to love me more. More than father, more than mother, more than son, more than daughter. I want you to love me more. Look at Luke just for a moment. We're just getting started. Luke chapter 14. Again, in Matthew the idea is, let's do a little comparison. In Luke there is this idea of contrast and And some of you, when we get to this verse, you'll say, you know what? (laughs) I've been looking for a verse that says something like this. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. In Luke, the idea is contrast. Listen to these words. Some of you children that are here today are going to be excited about finding this verse. Anyone who comes to me, anyone who comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, and, and, and yes, even his own life. Listen to this last phrase of 26. He cannot be my disciple. He cannot be my disciple. The Lord Jesus says it, and it's pretty plain. In Matthew, he says, He is not worthy of me. Similar language. Doing a little comparison. Look at everyone and anything that you love. Do you love me more when you compare your love for me and all those things? And Luke, he says, hate. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What in the world is the Lord Jesus saying? How do we know that he is not teaching us to hate? If Dr. Dave were here, he would, uh, from time to time, use this expression. Bad, uh, finish it with me if you know it, hermeneutics. How we study scripture, the science and art of biblical interpretation. And so we know if we use this method of hermeneutics uh, interpreting Scripture that Scripture should interpret Scripture interpret Scripture by using other Scripture we know that it can't be teaching hate why is that? because other passages say just the opposite and Scripture cannot contradict and so the Lord Jesus is not teaching us uh, to hate He really is emphasizing the fact that we are supposed to Love. And he's doing so by exaggerating, by by using a, a, a form of communication. What do we call that? When we exaggerate on purpose. Hyperbole. Thanks for coming. And that's being used here as well, this idea of evidencing that the love for the Lord Jesus Christ is so supreme and incomparable, it appears as if, seems as if, hate uh, uh remains or results think about it this way uh, for for many years I attended a church where there were over 100 children 100 children I have two I have two and there were there were many many others and it would seem as if as I interacted with the other 98 that there was hate uh, for them, in comparison to the love that was obvious for my two. Now, was it a reality that these other 98 children, I hated them? Well, honestly, no, the the reality, (laughs) just a few of them, really, I'm telling you. No, I'm kidding. Because there's such supreme and incomparable love for others, it appears as if that love is lacking and as if there were hate. And the Lord Jesus says, listen, let's do a little comparison in Matthew. Let's do a little contrast in Luke. And what I want you to desperately do is evaluate how much you love me. How much you love me. We sing, I love you, Lord. I was listening to the prayer at supper tonight. Probably you were as well. And there was a declaration that we love you, Lord Jesus. We love you. And we do. We sing those things and we say those things. But let me ask you this question. How do we evidence or prove or show that we love the Lord Jesus Christ more than we love anything or anyone else? Lord Jesus says, you want to be worthy of me? You want to be a disciple of mine? Make a list. Write everything that you love and anyone that you love on the list. Where am I on the list in comparison or by means of contrast? This isn't a new theme. This concept of loving God and loving the Lord Jesus with all that we are and with all that we have. The Ten Commandments evidence this reality, don't they? I was talking a little, bit, a little earlier about this subject matter, and that, that naturally came up, that we should, we should have no other gods before our God. I was talking to Steve uh, about the, the great Shema of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I was asking him, who, who still practices these things? What, what, a, what a great cu- uh, custom and what a great truth that was being evidenced. Let's turn there just for a moment or two to the great Shema, otherwise known as Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let's see this theme of loving God with all that we are and all that we have more than we love anything or anyone else. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You've recently been studying Deuteronomy, correct? Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. What a declaration. Here the the great Shema begins and extends in in some traditions through verse 9. Verse 5 says this, You shall love the Lord your God with, with all your hearts, And with your soul, all your soul and with all your might. These words, think about this, this continues today, this custom and tradition. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Moms and dads, how are we doing in this one? Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house. And you, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, how often is that, my friends? This is all the time. That these things are to be talked about, and reminded, and brought to the attention. How did they go about doing such things? Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We were watching uh, a show, my wife and I. I think it was the Fixer Upper or one of the HGTV shows. And they were out buying an old farm door that they wanted to put in this house that they were uh, flipping, if you will. And on this old farm door was written a Bible verse. What, what, a, what a cool custom and tradition. What was the reality of what was being instructed here in Deuteronomy chapter 6? What was to be brought to the attention of the family on a regular, daily, consistent basis? And how did they, how did they purpose to remind one another of this all-important truth? They would write it down, they would wear it, they would would dress themselves a particular way. Ask Steve Herzig more of the details of this reality and custom. But they wanted to make it clear that they were to love God with all that they are and all that they have. Remind them of these things. Teach them of these things. Matthew 22, isn't it Matthew 22 where we're reminded of the great summary of all of the law, right? Let's turn there for a moment together. Matthew chapter 22. Listen to the pages turn. Such a such a classic sound. Use your phones, your tablets, no worries. Matthew 22, 37. And he said to them, and he said to him, verse 36, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great commandment. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. You want the summary of it all? Love God and love people, the Lord Jesus says. How many of you remember a group called For Him? Please, anyone, For Him. Quickly, some hands went in the air. I appreciate that reality. Children of the 80s. For Him. They used to to sing a song, and it's still played these days from time to time, uh, and and they would make a declaration that that this is the, the center of the mark. This is the bullseye. To love God and love people. That's the center of the mark. That's the summary of it all. We see it in the Old Testament and we see it in the New. Paul summarizes it in one statement in Galatians. How does he summarize it in Galatians chapter 5? You tell me. What's the single statement that Paul uses in verse 14 of chapter 5 of Galatians to summarize the whole thing? He boils it down to one statement. Here it's two. Love God and love people. What does Paul say in Galatians 5? Exactly. Love people. Did he forget about the love God part? In Galatians 5 verse 14, here's the summary. You want it all summarized? Love other folks. Love one another. Love people, Paul says. We'll talk about why he just made that singular statement. But I want to ask you this question. I want you to imagine this scenario. It won't happen, so thus you have to imagine. Use your uh, uh, creative uh, thinking for a moment or two. Imagine you were going to lunch with the Lord Jesus. And he says to you this I've written down, I've written down all the evidences, all the ways that you show me and others. That you love me more than anything or more than anyone. And he slides this piece of paper across the table. And you peel it up and you start to read. What would be the evidences that we love the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything or more than anyone? Let me ask you this question, practically. Within your, your marriage and family, if that's your reality or even even among friends, other folks. But think about it uh, contextually in a relationship for our purposes. How do we evidence and show that we love someone else? I'm asking you, how do we do that? Okay, time spent. Did somebody say that, time spent? My, my wife's love language. Hear me say this to you now. My wife's love language is quality time. I know, I know the, uh, some books are being uh, given away by, by Gary Chapman. Uh, this one is The Five Love Languages of Apology. Do you know that he has love languages for everything? I mean, there, is, there indeed is love language pajamas and, and wallpaper. I'm telling you, love languages for your pets. I'm a big fan of Gary Chapman. I promise you this. And I love his books. Matter of fact, I gave one to my wife. You remember this, Shug? I gave my wife. I never read it, but I th- heard it was a great book. <laughs> I gave her the five love languages book, and I said, honey, let's, let's study this together. And, and we've, we've discussed these things on multiple occasions. One of the love languages is quality time. It is the hardest one for me to show. I could tell my, my wife, my bride, my queen, my fair one, I'm already beginning, verbally, how much I love her. But you know what that does for her? Not much. Am I right? I'm telling you. But she would love for me to lose my phone forever. And she would love for me to be present when I am there bodily. She will say to me, from t- she said it tonight at dinner. She said, where are you? And often t- often I find myself wanting to say, hello, I'm right here. But I know what she's saying and she's right, that I am somewhere else reviewing my message or thinking about what's going on at the office or what I need to do. Quality time. Evidences that we love others and love Him. Chiefly, supremely Incomparably. Other ways. We're about to do it. I know it. We're going to go through the love languages, right? Other ways that we evidence and show that we love someone else. I'm asking you. Give us your input and perspective. And it's okay if you hit the other four. That you listen. We've been given two ears and, and one mouth. So we should listen twice as much as we speak. Listen. Other ways, quickly, need your help. Acts of service, one of the love languages, by the way. So there was a time, I'm promising you this, there was a time where I brought the love language test home to my mom and dad. My mom was still living, and we brought it home, and we were going to go over these things over one of the the holiday breaks. And this is what my dad said. This is ridiculous. (laughs) Can't you hear him saying that? I mean, seriously, he said, are you kidding me? I need to take a test to determine how I love someone else? What in the world? This is nonsense. And my, and my, my sweet mama would say, oh, Dave, it's wonderful. It's John's idea. <laughs> Some of you get that. Um, and so we took the test, and my, my parents ended up saying, you know what? This is pretty good. This is actually true. And so for my parents, their love language, both of them, primary love language, acts of service. Acts of service. They show it by doing. I noticed one of your sons, I've talked to him about it. I don't want to embarrass him now, but I said, you know what? You really like to serve. You enjoy it, don't you? And he does. It's obvious. You remember watching Fiddler on the Roof? Anyone ever seen that classic? Remember the main characters? What was the husband's name? Tevya and the wife's name? Golda or Goldie, depending on how you pronounce, right? And they came to the point where they, they sang a song together. And Tevya asked this all-important question. Do you love me? And Golda responds by saying this. Do I what? And he repeats again the question. Do you love me? and he says uh, or she says again do i love you i'm not going to sing don't worry and then they sing to one another or she does to him for 25 years uh, and goes through all these things that she has done that show that evidence that prove that she loves her husband and he at the end of the song says this then you love me and she responds and says, "I suppose I do." And he says, "Sings, I suppose I love you too." Right? We show it, we evidence it, we prove it, and it's not hard to see or tell. What are some other ways, quickly? Other ways that we demonstrate evidence, show that we love others. Physical touch is one of those. Rexford, way to, way to cover the third. Physical touch is one of the love languages. Words of affirmation. If you're wondering, that's my primary one. Surprise, surprise. Words of affirmation. It's the hardest one for my queen to express. It's good that we know these things from the get-go, right? We're, we're in good shape. Fret not. Fret not. Words of affirmation. Physical touch. Gift giving. All these sorts of things. Anything else that comes to mind? Ways that we evidence and show that we love one another? Compassion. What else? <laughs> the millennials speak. Yes, when we text, we use emojis, yes. Some of us who aren't millennials do that too. You know, we're with it, come on. There's all sorts of ways that we evidence, show, display, prove that we love one another. How do we do in regards to our love for the Lord Jesus? He says this, and it's not hard to understand. If you want to come after me, if you want to be worthy of me, if you want to be a disciple of mine, you need to love me more. Incomparably and supremely, you need to love me. There's a great study in Revelation. It's one Revelation, by the way, the whole book. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 uh, this, the, the study of the seven churches, the letters to the seven churches. Uh, what's the first one? Do you recall? In chapter 2, the first one. Ephesus. Ephesus. What a great example. What a great example of a healthy church. And, And there's something said about the Lord Jesus Christ in each of these letters. And there's often a commendation that's expressed and a condemnation, something they need to work on. And some instructions that they need to adhere to. And then a promise that they need to cling to as well. And they said, uh, the Lord Jesus says in in the letter to the church at Ephesus, you're doing really well. There's a lot of great things going on. You're you're, uh, committed to doctrine and you're persevering, no doubt. And, and you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and so do I. And so you're saying no to those who are fake and fraudulent and phony. You are a, a healthy church. But, but here's the one thing, the one thing I have against you. You have left your first love. That was on them. He didn't go anywhere. And he makes a declaration, and he says, you know what, a lot of good things are going on. You're healthy, and I commend you in, uh, for a lot of things that you're doing as a church, but, but there's one issue. It's a significant one, and if you don't get this one out, one right, I'm going to put you out your light, your candle, if you will. You left your first love. And so what does he say to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2? What does he say? He says, Repent. You can check it. It's in there. He says, repent. Come to the point and place where you realize, you know what? You're serving me out of duty, but you're not serving me out of delight. You have left your first love. So own it. Admit it. Recognize it as being true. It's on you. You are the one who has left. You left your first love. So repent. He says this, secondly, remember, recall, think about it. what it was like when it was the way it was supposed to be, the way it is supposed to be, where you're loving me supremely, incomparably, and all these things that you're doing that is right and that are going well, it is a result of the fact that you are loving me the way you ought to. You see, we have to get the vertical love right before we can love one another uh, horizontally the correct way. We need to love Him right, and then we will love one another right. He says, repent, to the church at Ephesus. He says, remember. And the word return is not there, but it does say, and go back to. And so this idea of returning to the way it used to be is emphasized as well repent, admit it you love other things more than you love me you have left your first love remember what it was like when it was the way it is supposed to be and go back to doing the things that are necessary in order for that to be the case Did anybody have any problem with the verses we we began with in in Matthew and with Luke? Anybody struggle with the Lord saying, you know what? Look at your family. Look at your husband. Look at your wife. Look at your, 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 your sons. Look at your daughters. Look at your siblings and realize this. You need to love me more than you love them. Anybody struggle with that one at all? I struggle with that one sometimes. Uh, I love my family a lot. Love them a lot, and 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 sometimes uh, I don't want that. want to love them any less. I want to love them more. And and here's the thing that's crucial for our, for us to get and understand. This isn't a, a, a an either or. This isn't that that somebody loses here. Matter of fact, this is this is the win win. This is the only way it really does work. You see, if I'm going to love Katie like Christ loved the church, if I'm going to lead Katie and take seriously this idea of God's delegated authority being given to me as the husband, I've got to have my relationship right with Him. I have to. There's no way I can love Katie the way I'm supposed to love Katie if my relationship with my Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ is suffering. There's no way. But get this and don't miss it. If I'm loving the Lord Jesus Christ the way I'm supposed to, if I'm loving my Heavenly Father with all my heart and with all my mind and with all my soul and with all my strength, guess what also is true for her? I'm loving her the way I'm supposed to too. And my kids. And you all. It's not either or. It's the actual only win-win solution and scenario. That when we love Christ the way we're supposed to love Christ, and when we love our Heavenly Father the way we're supposed to love Him, then we get right to the loving one another. Paul didn't just say, you know what? I'm just going to ignore that other statement that was said in the Old Testament and that the Lord Jesus said too in summary of all the law and the prophets. That first part really doesn't matter. Just love people. Paul said, just love people in Galatians 5.14. We referenced it earlier. Assuming that we were loving vertically the right way. Because there's no other way to love people the right way unless we're loving Him the right way. You remember the other night, the other night when some songs were being played and we were trying to remember uh, what the, the tunes were and some people were to press the buttons And some of us were really trying to help out along the way. There was one that that, uh, was taken from uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. The last of the seven churches. Behold, behold, I stand at the door and knock, knock, knock. Now there's a couple of interpretations. One is wrong and one is right. Uh, But... There's a couple of interpretations. And sometimes we, we use that, that verse as an evangelistic verse. And there's a possibility of that reality when you, when you uh, are trying to interpret uh, plainly with a sound her- hermeneutic. But it's far more likely that as he's writing to a church, he's addressing saved people. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, does it? Imagine this building, if you will. And all the doors were locked. And the Lord Jesus is on the outside. And He's saying, Hello? Would you mind letting me in? So, so we can relate the right way to one another? Behold, I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice... And opens the door, I want to come in, and what does he want to do uh, as he enters in? I love what he wants to do. What's he want to do? Dine. <laughs> it's all about a meal, friends. It's really not. I appreciate that reality. But isn't it wonderful what happens around the table? Around the table, around a meal. I want to enter in and I want to relate rightly to you so I can dine with you and you can dine with me. I will enter, enter, enter in. We use it for salvation. Probably not the best interpretation. It's the Lord saying, listen, let me in. I'm the head of this place, by the way. And I want to relate rightly to my church. We are supposed to love Him more than anything or more than anyone, in a supreme and incomparable way. Three words to help us remember this one, my friends. Grammatically, don't rip on me for the grammatical structuring of these three words. They're all supposed to be memorable. Memorable. Love Christ best. Three words. At the end, you'll see three little blanks under mark number one. I'm trying to help you. A three-word summary of Mark number one is supreme and incomparable love for Christ. It's to love Christ best. More than anything or more than anyone. Jesus says this. He says this. You want to be worthy of me? He says this. You cannot be my disciple unless this reality is evidenced. Will we do it perfectly? This side of glory, we will not. So don't guilt yourself out of doing nothing. And say, you know what, into doing nothing rather. Let's do our best to have this prevailing, overarching, that the way we roll and the way we do life and the way we interact with one another is rooted in our relationship with our Savior. And that we love Him. And it's evidenced in the way that we love others. It's not either or. It's a win-win. Father Father God, we thank You. We thank You for the occasion to think about what Your Son, the Lord Jesus, said was necessary for us to be disciples of His. These these concepts are, are encouraging. These concepts are challenging. They're convicting. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit, He would do a work in our minds and hearts and that we would take some time to evaluate all the things we love and all the people that we love. And where our love for the Lord Jesus falls honestly on that list. Father, may we make the connection even tonight that if we really want to love mother and father and husband and wife and son and daughter, sister and brother, others the way we, we long to and deeply desire to, that we cannot do so unless we first are loving you the way we're supposed to. So may we love you. With all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our strength, all our might. Help us to love you and love others the way we are supposed to. May we love Christ best. May we think on these things and talk to one another about these truths. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Saved by the bell, friends.